Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hallelujah. Father, we just come before you today and we thank you in the name of Jesus that we put our trust in you. That, Father, the victory, it belongs to you. That, Father, we have a God who fights our battles for us. That just like you came to Jehoshaphat and said, there is no need for you to fight in this battle. For the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And Jehoshaphat sent the praisers out first. He didn't send out his strength. He didn't send out his might. He didn't send out his armor. He sent out his worship. He sent out his praise. And Father, just as when those praisers and worshipers began to sing glory and honor to your name, we see in that scripture that you begin to fight a battle for your people. Father, we see the same thing play out in Paul and Silas' life. That late in a midnight hour, when it looked like all hope was gone and they were in an innermost prison, they lifted up prayer and praise unto you so loud that the other prisoners could hear them. And in that moment, they saw the victory belonged to Jesus. Father, we thank you that today, as we're worshiping and as we're praising you, that you are out there fighting our battles. You were out there bringing peace. You were out there bringing victory and protection and deliverance. And Father, we just thank you that today each and every one of us will not only be encouraged by this, but Father, we thank you we will see victory in our lives because Lord Jesus, the victory belongs to you. Father, we love you today. Let your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated today. Uh, I want to welcome everyone here to our Lakeland campus. And across town, we have our other campus that is meeting at our Highland Colony location. So can everyone here at Lakeland give it up for everyone there at Highland Colony? Uh, We love you guys, Uh, and I'll be over there for the 1130 service, so we're going to switch it up. Uh, For those of you who don't know, at our Highland Colony campus, typically we have an 830, 10, and 1130 service. Typically, I preach the 830 live, and then we stream uh, the 10 and the 1130, but with us not having an 1130 service here at Lakeland, uh, I will be at our Highland Colony campus there and can't wait to see uh, many of you guys. And can both of our physical locations give it up for everyone who is watching online today uh, from all over the world? Uh, we're so excited to have you all with us. And I want to invite everyone, no matter what campus you're at today, uh, that you open up with me today to the book of Mark. Uh, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 5. I, I had something come up in my heart yesterday. 
I had a message uh, that I was going to continue of what we talked about last week and talk about the power of us and the importance of community and tie it into water baptism. Uh, but then I guess the Holy Spirit had other ideas and dropped this message in my heart. Uh, and so we're going to talk about it. But I do want to say this. Uh, today we are celebrating water baptism. Uh, and what ba- water baptism is, is just an outward display that each one of us should have in our Christian walk, uh, where we invite, invite friends and family into our spiritual journey. Uh, and we have a moment in public where we say to everyone who is watching, I belong to God. Uh, that the self you knew before God is now under the water and I am coming up uh, a believer of Jesus and confessing that my old life is washed away. Um, if uh, for those of you who are not familiar with water baptism, it's basically the wedding band of Christianity. Uh, I wear a wedding band publicly uh, to let everyone know I am taken. I belong to the spectacular Miss Pepe. Uh, that's right. Amen. Uh, so I belong to her. Uh, and uh, I want as many people to see that as possible. I'm not trying to hide that. I want people to know that. Water baptism is really the first message we preach as Christians, uh, saying my life has been bought with a price. And I'm not trying to hide that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to go public with my faith. Uh, and so for those of you who are doing that today, we can't wait to celebrate with you. At both of our physical locations, if you did not plan on getting water baptized today, but you would like to be water baptized today, we have that facilitated where you can. We have a change of clothes and shorts and a t-shirt and uh, tents where you can get changed in, like all of those kinds of things. So today it may even be a spontaneous water baptism where you say, you know what, I'm going to go public with my faith. Or, or maybe you're at a point in your Christianity where it's like, you know what, I need a past season washed away and a new season of life come in and I want to be like Naaman and dip uh, and just believe that something is being left behind and, and have a moment where I'm just in faith that something new is beginning. Uh, you can do that today. Uh, we have had literally um, a father and sons who have been disconnected. Uh, come in and be water baptized together uh, to let them say that the past um, separation that was in their life and the past unforgiveness is being washed away and they're coming up united together. We have had couples who have been separated uh, come in and uh, be baptized together to say what was in the past is just that in the past and today we are recommitting ourselves to each other. Uh, So we have all of these options on the table. Uh, If you would like to be water baptized today at our physical locations, uh, and I want to encourage you, if you feel like any of that is resonating with you, uh, that you do that uh, and have a moment where you release faith. You know, sometimes it takes movement in the natural to release something in the supernatural. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it takes some movement in the natural to release something in the supernatural. Uh, and uh, if you're looking for a supernatural assistance, uh, I don't think it could be a bad thing to just go public with your faith, with water baptism, and, and believe to see God's goodness. So uh, all of that is today at our physical locations as you're exiting service. 
And then also we have a whole bunch of kind, uh, different kinds of treats and uh, things out there for you to enjoy. Uh, and so make sure you help yourself to that. Um, the scripture I want to read to you today is found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5. And we're going to look here at verse number 25 and read from verse 25 all the way to verse 34. Uh, and if you didn't bring a Bible, no worries. It'll be on the screen right next to me on my left. Mark 5 and 25, it says, And there was a certain woman which had an issue. Uh, We have all kinds of issues that come up in life. Hers was a blood disorder. Um, And she wrestled with it for 12 years. So for 12 years, she is wrestling with an issue. Have any of you wrestled with the same issue over and over? Uh, Where it seems like for years now or months now, you've been wrestling with the same thing. I say this all the time, but these stories are not in here to entertain us. Now, thankfully, they are entertaining. Uh, these stories are specifically in, in here because they are designed by God to release something in you. Uh, and I, I had it in my, my heart today that, that some of you are, are facing an issue that has been repetitive. Um, and it could be an addiction Uh, It could be something going on in your physical body that is lingering and not going away. It could be a financial issue that has just lingered. Uh, And it's not like an emergency that just came up. It is something that has just stayed there. Uh, This woman had an issue in her life that for 12 years she was trying to break free from it, trying to get rid of it, uh, and couldn't. But how many of you know her story doesn't end there? Uh, Jesus entered her story. And how many of you believe that Jesus can enter your story and there is nothing that is impossible to our Lord Jesus? Uh, So she has this issue in verse 26. uh, We see that she was doing everything in the natural to fix this issue. She had suffered many things of many doctors and physicians and she had spent all of her money to fix this issue, but it was not getting better. Instead, it seemed to be getting worse. Verse 27, but when she had heard of Jesus, (laughs) I love that. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, or we would say today power, had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging you and you want to know who touched you? Uh, and they're, they're being very sarcastic here. And he looked around about, verse 32, to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Her faith made her whole. Why don't you just say that with me this morning? At all of our locations, even at our online campus, uh, feel free to say this out loud. Just say it with me. Say, her faith made her whole. Now say this, and if her faith made her whole, my faith can make me whole. Amen. 
Now, here's what's amazing about this story is Jesus obviously is noted for his healing power. He is famous for his miracles. And uh, I think even today in our Christian world, we believe in a God of miracles and we believe that we have a God who can perform them. And I think any of us uh, who are Christians want to see that power or at least uh, like the idea of it, uh, which is why we pray and why we, we oftentimes come and ask God for his assistance is because we believe he has the power to fix it. But here we see that there are a lot of people in this story. We don't know their names, we don't know their needs, and we don't know the context of why they're touching Jesus. But there's no shortage of people who are trying to get something from him. Uh, Literally, when Jesus says, who touched me, his disciples get almost sarcastic and they're like, what do you mean who touched you? You have a whole multitude that is thronging you, like trying to get this power from you. Uh, What are you talking about who touched me? And in the middle of all this, you have this woman who is literally on her hands and knees, who cannot uh, press through the multitude enough to touch the physical body of Jesus. Instead, she is only able to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. But when she touches the hem of his garment, power comes from God. So much so that Jesus feels that power leave his body. Uh, The woman feels that power enter her body. Uh, Jesus has such a withdrawal of that power from him that immediately he stops and he says, someone just touched me with a different type of touch. The woman felt that power so strongly in her body that she's fearing and trembling, knowing in herself that it was her. She touched with a different touch. That there were a lot of people there attempting to get something from Jesus, but she knew she actually did. And and what I want is I want you to have this type of moment in your life, that you see a God of miracles be a God of miracles. Uh, That it's not just something that's conceptualized where you've heard about a God of power. Uh, That you read in scripture and see a God of power. Or you hear preachers talk about a God of power. But that you in your own life have seen his marvelous work. Uh, That you have seen the power of God. That it's not this frustrating kind of Christianity where it seems like I'm kind of basing my life around Jesus. Like the people who are thronging him. But I'm not really seeing my life change. I'm not really seeing my life be altered. And a lot of us, especially with contemporary Christianity, have kind of left it up to Jesus. Like if if God's going to intervene, it'll be according to his will and it'll be according to his idea and power and he'll just step in and do something awesome. Uh, And it'll be left up to God. But here we see in this story, God is walking by her house. He did not knock on her door. Uh, He did not open up and say, I'm Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and I have come to heal you today. Uh, it, It wasn't like a grand entrance. He's walking by her house, and she makes a decision to stop that walk. She makes a decision to draw near unto him. 
and, and so we see here that even when uh, this miracle takes place in her life, he does not pull back and say, and that's because I am awesome. Uh, and I do things like this. Uh, and you ought to be extraordinarily thankful for me being as awesome as I am. God of miracles right here. Uh, he does not attribute it to his power. He does not attribute uh, the working of his mighty power in her life to just the fact that he was powerful. He says, my power was met by something in you that was different from everyone else in the story. It was met by your faith. And faith for many uh, has been a subject that they have studied. Faith for many has been a subject that we have heard and we have been exhorted to get in faith. We have been uh, taught to use our faith. Unfortunately, even with some of these things, people have been shamed for their lack of faith. That if you had more faith, you wouldn't be wrestling with this or that. If you had more faith, then you would see these types of things play out. But how many of you know shame is literally from the pit of hell? Uh, God never uses shame to change anybody. There is an accuser, and it's the devil. It's not God. Uh, So anytime you feel accusation, uh, it is not coming from the Lord Jesus. Uh, But nevertheless, I think it is important that in the middle of all these things, uh, to make sure that we as believers are fighting the fight of faith, that we are living by faith and not by sight, that we are functioning with faith and not just on the surface of having God in the middle of us, but actively uh, with our faith, laying hold of that power, actively with our faith, pressing in to Jesus, that faith, even in the middle of these things, when you read Hebrews chapter 11, is not just about the end product of us getting what we're in faith for, but faith is us coming and believing that God is who he says he is. That even in the book of Hebrews, we see all of these amazing miracles wrought by the hand of God because somebody, somewhere, got in faith. We see that there were also people of faith who, not having embraced the promise, but held them, even from afar off, uh, and that they died in faith. Uh, But it was their faith that was impressive about them. People who, in, in the middle of hardship and affliction, were trusting in God, and like John the Baptist was exhorted to, not be offended by him. Uh, but to remain committed to God and to remain people who press into faith uh, and remain a people of faith, regardless of what the natural situations looks like, because we're not looking at that anyway. We're looking at the promise of our living God. Uh, And so out of this, what I want to do today is to just show you four key things, and I'll do it real quick, but four key things we can see from her story in the book of Mark that show us what faith is, what faith looks like, and position us, um, like never before, to press into a God of miracles. How many of you know God can change something that you've been frustrated with, no matter how long you've been frustrated with it, Uh, that you can do everything? everything in the natural to kind of break free from it and still be wrestling with it. But a touch from God can literally change everything because he is a God of miracles. In fact, the title of this message is just simply this, need a miracle? 
Uh, here's how I would go about receiving one. Uh, so the first thing that we see is her story changed when point number one, she heard of Jesus. Uh, for those of you who are taking notes, she heard something that made her faith excited and expectant about her future. Uh, for 12 years, she has been disheartened and discouraged. Uh, she has come to a place where she has accepted the fact that she is going to have to learn how to function with this dysfunction and consider this a new normal. But one day she hears something about Jesus that quickens faith in her heart. Uh, and when she hears this about Jesus, she begins to imagine that life will not have to, to keep going in this direction. That this is not going to be something that I will forever wrestle with that life can begin to look different by the power of God. She hears something different. Uh, it's very interesting, in the middle of COVID, uh, uh, people have not seen each other for a very long time. And there were two individuals that are very near and dear to my heart that I had seen them throughout kind of COVID, but they had not seen each other because of social distancing and all those types of things. So about a year passed, which is hard to believe how long uh, these seasons have been. But a year passed, and they finally uh, kind of engage uh, and are just so excited to see each other. And one of them walked up to me after that in, in interaction and and said, my goodness, they have changed. They have changed. Now, let me just help all of us, including myself. How many of you know that should be the case for all of us? Uh, that we ought to be a better version of ourselves six months from now than we are right now. Uh, that we are constantly refining and growing and getting better and learning and picking up new skills and learning new things. Like this is the way it ought to be. Uh, we ought not just be living, we ought to be progressing. Uh, but in the middle of that, it's still rare. <laughs> like, it's still rare to see people get better. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but it's true. It, it is honestly not as abundant as it should be where we're making progress on our journey, where our soul is prospering, uh, and we're seeing progress on the journey. Uh, but they had. And it's funny, when they said that, I agreed. I'm like, they have gotten better. Uh, and he said, I wonder what it is. I said, well, you should ask him. How many of you know encouragement goes a long way? Uh, and when you see progress in someone's life, uh, you should tell them, uh, you've made progress there. And it blesses me. And I want to know maybe even what you did. And so I told him, I said, you should tell them that you see progress in them and you should be inquisitive. Uh, on how they saw that progress. Success leaves clues. It's amazing to me uh, how many people don't take the time to just sit at the feet of people who have been successful and said, what did you do? Because success leaves clues. Uh, and so out of that, I said, you should go mine for information and, and not just think a compliment, but give a compliment and pick up wisdom in the process. And so they came up to him and they said, you're different. And they said, what do you mean? They just said, there's a light about you. There's a positivity about you. There is a faith about you. 
Uh, and they said, it's just amazing. What are you doing differently? And this person uh, commented uh, that the Lord really dealt with their heart, and this is a personal decision, but the Lord really dealt with their heart that they should pull away from anything that was making them fearful, afraid, or strife-filled. And they said, for, for me, I had the habit of every night going to bed, uh, just watching things uh, that filled my, my life with fear and filled me with concern and filled me with care. And all of these things are common to each one of us, but they also are destructive to each one of us. We were designed by God to fill care, but to be strong enough to cast that care over upon the Lord. We were designed by God to, to have thoughts that come to us, but for us to be able to push those thoughts away where we are not filled with worry and anxiety and heaviness. The spirit of the enemy is a spirit of heaviness. Uh, and when you feel heavy, that is not the spirit of God. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you feel heavy, you need to come unto me and learn of me. Uh, because this is not of me. I am not a burden giver. I'm a burden breaker. Um, and the, the Lord said uh, to them that they needed to make this change, and they went through that process of making that change, and they began to testify in their own life uh, about the power that came to them out of that. And it was noticeable, like it was a physical difference, a brightness, a lightness. Why? Uh, your ears and your eyes are the gateway to your soul, um, and there are things that you can put in front of your ears and eyes that are laced with lust, laced with fear, laced um, with, with worry and deceit. And we live in a world that feeds off of that. Uh, and it doesn't just go uh, through the eyes and through the ears. It goes into the heart. And we are directly told by God to guard our heart because out of our heart is flowing forth the issues of life. And we need to set firm boundaries there and say certain things do not belong in front of my eyes and in front of my ears. Uh, that I need to do a better job of guarding my heart. This woman for years had had nothing but discouraging news. Nothing but news that made her concerned. Nothing but news from doctors and her report coming from these people that was discouraging and disheartening. But one day she hears news that changes her life forever. She hears of Jesus. Um, this is, is, I had this big in my heart this morning, but I think it, it's important. Uh, oftentimes when I see people say, like I'm quote unquote in faith, I'm in faith over it, Pastor Joel. I am, I am in faith. We get the idea that faith is something that we can conjure up in ourselves. Uh, that I'm in faith. I'm in faith. That like, I, I, will, I will be in faith. And like, faith. Faith is not something you conjure up. Faith is something you receive. There's a rest to faith. There's a, a relaxation in faith. There is a storm all around you and you sleeping in the boat uh, type of faith uh, for you because faith is not something that is conjured up from the inside. Faith is something that is actually received from the outside. 
Uh, Romans teaches us this in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Uh, They'll put that up on the screen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think it was John Wesley who said, people wonder why they're so spiritually weak when they feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. Uh, Just like if you only ate one cold snack a week, uh, you would not be physically strong. That oftentimes even people of faith think, well, I'll go to church, I'll sing the prayer. And then like, I'm in faith, this is going to change. And it's like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to be filled with faith, you need to be literally filled with faith. You need faith giving things in front of your eyes, faith giving things in front of your ears, faith giving things in front of you. Because faith is not something we conjure up from the inside. Faith is something we receive from the outside. And when it comes from the outside, it gets on the inside and then life begins to change from the inside out. But it's not me manufacturing it. It is me receiving it. And based off of receiving it, now I receive strength. It's just like physically. It's amazing how these things intertwine. That when people think of of building muscle, uh, they think about exercise. And I need to use my faith uh, and use my muscles and they'll grow. And there's some truth to that. But you ask any trainer worth their salt, they'll tell you physical strength is 70% diet and 30% exercise. That if you go into that gym and all you try to do is exercise, but you're eating junk, you are not going to make the progress uh, that you could be making if you would fix that part of your life. And it's true when you're in faith, it's the same way. It's good to be rejoicing. It's good to be praising. It's good to be worshiping. It's good to be before the throne of God. Like it's good to do that, man. It's good to come in church and sing the victory belongs to Jesus. The victory belongs to him. Yes, it is good to use your faith, but I'm telling you that's 30%. 70% is you've got to feed that faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, with Joshua and Caleb, God had called them to go into a promised land. And they're, they're about to go into a land that flows with milk and honey. And the goodness of God is just all around them. And this was God's will for them. Uh, and it's a type and shadow of each one of us that God wants to deliver us from bondage. Uh, where, where Pharaoh is not in our life controlling us. That there is not a master in our life who is evil. Who is uh, telling us what we'll do. God, God, and I feel this big in my heart right now. God wants to deliver us from anything that enslaves us. Uh, that there is a God of liberty and independence. Uh, that there is a God that wants his people free. And there ought not be an addiction of your life that is your master. Where you are not controlling uh, it, but it is controlling you. There ought not be, uh, how many of you know sometimes in life, moments can be our master. Where we are a prisoner to the moment. Where there's something in our present that if we're honest, it hadn't changed in a long time. That like what I'm seeing in my life right now, is it actually holding me as a prisoner? That this moment of life has not progressed? That this has not grown, but a moment is holding me captive? Sometimes it's not even moments in our present. Sometimes it's moments in our past. Where that moment in our past has held us a prisoner, has taken dominion and control over us. 
And the Lord comes and says, I am not okay with this. I am not okay with bondage of any type because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Uh, That I came to preach freedom, Jesus said, to the captives. Deliverance to those who are held in bondage. Jesus did not just come to help you cope uh, with, with the mess that is in your life. Jesus came to change the mess that is in your life. He came to save you. Uh, And so out of that, he comes to his people and he's like, I am not okay with this. I I want to save you from this. I want your life to make progress. And he leads them out of uh, the Egyptian bondage over into a wilderness. And in a wilderness, it's not enough. It's just enough. They need a miracle almost every day to make it, but they're making it. Uh, God is uh, sustaining them and he's humbling them and he is proving them and he's doing all these wonderful things, but this is not his end goal. His end goal is not for them to just barely make it. His end goal is for them to get to a promised land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And right before they get into this promised land, Moses has this idea to send 12 spies over into the nation of Israel. You know the story. These 12 spies come back and they see this land is everything God said it would be. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a land that would be a dream to live in. The problem was is that the land was inhabited (laughs) by some things that on the surface were incredibly scary uh, and things that on the surface seemed bigger than themselves. And they come back with this report, 10 spies out of 12 come back with this report that just states the facts. Uh, And they're here stating facts of we saw people and when we saw them, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Like we were incredibly small when we compared this situation to us. Uh, And they said, honestly, uh, like God led us here, we know. But I really feel like if we attempt to do this, we're going to fail. And you're going to fail. And you ought to be smart and you ought to be wise. And we ought not to attempt this. And they've got walled cities and none of this makes sense. And Joshua and Caleb are listening to this. And the Bible says they had a different spirit. How many of you think we as Christians ought to have a different spirit than those who are in the world? Uh, That yes, it's not that we are blind or ignorant of the problems. The difference is we are not comparing the problems to ourselves, our own wisdom. We are uh, comparing the problem to a God who is bigger than whatever the problem may be. Uh, And so out of this, they give up on possibilities. Um, They decide to be a prisoner to this moment. Uh, They make the mistake of of Lot uh, and his wife, and they look back. And they they go back in, in, in their thought life to the way life was before, and life begins to hold them prisoner. That they will see no progress. And they will will see no increase because of what they were hearing. And the Bible teaches on this moment, and it says it was not just a factual report, it was a negative report. And then God also called it an evil report. And out of this evil report, it kept them from God's best. 
And I didn't even get to the three other points. I will have to close with point number one, and we will pick up with this at a later date. Uh, but, but here is my question to you today. What have you been feeding on? And what if we could come back to giving our, our spirits three hot meals a day? What if every day we came and we read the story of the woman with the issue of blood and we let that click in our hearts that, wait a minute, if her faith made her whole, God is not a respecter of persons. My faith can make me whole. What if every day we came and we just researched the miracles of Jesus and we actually Googled instead of like about a celebrity or a restaurant, we Googled, what are the miracles of Jesus? And we went and read about how there was somebody with not enough. But a little kid had enough faith to give Jesus his little lunch and put five loaves and two fishes in the hands of Jesus. And out of not having enough, God took it, blessed it, broke it, and made it more than enough. And what God did for that kid is the same thing that God can do for me. What if we read the story of a man born blind, like born into a situation that was unfair, born into a situation that was not advantageous, born into a middle of a mess, but even born with an issue. He encountered a Lord Jesus who could take an issue he was born into and fix it. And maybe the light of God's word will shine in our hearts and say, man, I wasn't born with everything in place. I wasn't born with just the right situation or the right skill sets or the right parents or it was dysfunctional. But even though I wasn't born into perfection, I have a Lord Jesus who can take imperfection and make it perfect. What if we could feed so much on God's word that we came to this realization that for the children of Israel, they had no weapons and they had been enslaved for years, but God came with such a mighty hand and such miraculous power that when they left Egypt, they didn't leave Egypt empty, but the Egyptians took off the things that they had even taken from them and put it in their hands. And and we have an idea and a, a moment where we say, if God did it for them, God can do it for us. What if we would read David and Goliath? What what if we would read that in the face of, of massive giants in front of us, that instead of being scared of these things, that this giant is not an opportunity for destruction, it's an opportunity for promotion. And if I will face this giant with the spirit of David and not the spirit of the rest of the children of Israel, where they saw death, I can see promotion. What if we could, could get in God's word enough that faith begins to come? That faith begins to come when we read about Abraham, who for 16 years had a promise in his life that was going unfulfilled. But God told him, Abraham, if you can look up, look at the stars, so shall your seed be. Can you count them? No, Lord. Look at the sand. Can you count it? No, Lord. So shall your seed be. And we could, could read that story and we could let that faith come into our heart that maybe in my life I've been praying for something that for years it's not been fulfilled. But by the good hand of God, God can do a work in me and encourage my heart. And just as Abraham saw the promise, I can see the promise as well. What if we looked at Ruth and studied reconciliation and studied how God could come back in and and turn a life where her husband died. And it's like, this is so unfair, but she kept her faith in God and God redeemed the end of her story. What if we could give scripture and its encouragement more time and affection than we do the things of this world? I'll tell you what will happen. 
faith in actuality will come. And it won't be the church Sunday morning type of faith, fake, uh, faith, fake faith. It will be something that is real and authentic with us because we have not just taken the time to just say we are in faith. We have taken the time to feed our faith on the promises of God. And as we got in God's word, faith got in our hearts. And when we hear of the miraculous power of Jesus, all of a sudden, that's when our story begins to change. If you want a change of story, you have to feed your faith. If you want a change of story, you have to feed your faith. But if you will take the time to feed your faith, you will see faith rise in your heart. And all of a sudden, all the things you've been doing in your Christian walk, prayer, worship, giving, will be more than just this touch that everyone else has been giving Jesus. It'll be a touch of true faith that you really believe in the power of giving and you really believe in the power of confession, that you really believe in the power of forgiveness because faith is in your heart because you took the time to feed it. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for these amazing people and I thank you Uh, that you give us the courage to feed our faith and to starve our doubts. Father, in Jesus' name, at all of our campuses, I just thank you, Father, that a passion for your word is arising like never before. We thank you, Lord, for it. 